This is the How Did You Get Into That Podcast with Grant Baldwin, Episode 8. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? We are at Episode 8, my friends. Isn't that crazy? Episode 8 already? We're just chugging along here. We're like the little steam engine that could. It's so exciting and adorable and cute. Hey, today we are joined by my friend Tyler Tavorin, and uh, Tyler is a man who seeks adventure. He's a dude who has um, really, really like crazy and cool uh, travel stories. And in fact, uh, he actually has a new TEDx talk that just came out. I'll link up in the show notes. Make sure you check that out. It's really, really great talk. And just some of the stories that he he shares from his travels are insane. And part of what makes Tyler so unique is he actually runs this blog called Riskology.co. We'll link up to that as well in the show notes. But Riskology.co is he talks about kind of how our minds work and how we as humans approach risk. And so it's fascinating that someone like him, who would be a bit a risk adverse, I guess you could say, given that um, he he talks about taking risk and, and how our brains are wired and think about it. But he's someone who takes so many adventures and, and really has, teaches people how to brave and, and venture from the known into the unknown. So we'll talk a lot about that today. In fact, part of his story is, is when he went to college, he actually wanted to go into construction management, um, got a degree in that, was interested in architecture. But literally day one, just realized it wasn't for him, realized it wasn't what he wanted to do. And maybe you've had that experience. Maybe you went to college, you've got the degree, you started in this career. And literally from day one, you just realized this, it wasn't for you you. And so it was interesting just hearing his story, like how do you realize from day one it's not for you? And then begin to transition into figuring out what it is that you do want to do. And so one of the things he shares is he actually started journaling and just getting everything out of his head and on paper, beginning to see what's an arc, what's kind of that that overarching theme in his life for, for work, for life, and kind of where he wanted to go in life. And so you'll hear a lot about that story today uh, in the life of Tyler, some of the cool stuff that he, he shares and cool stories. He also gives you some tips um, and just tricks for minimizing risk when you're making a leap from the known to the unknown. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're going, hey, I, I'm in a job right now, hate it, know what I want to do and how I want to get there, but it just it's, it's a risk. I'm making a, a huge, huge leap when you're going from the, the known to the unknown. So uh, pay close attention to that, some of the tips and strategies he, he gives there. Now, I will tell you that he we do talk a lot about how much time he spends each day petting his cat. So don't don't be alarmed by that. It's going to be okay. Uh, a little bizarre, but you'll make it. So um, make sure that you check out all the show notes there from this conversation with Tyler. You can find it at uh, grantbaldon.com slash Tyler Tavoran. Let me spell his last name because uh, it doesn't actually, it kind of looks like this. Anyway, here it is. Uh, Tyler Tavoran, T-E-R-V-O-O-R-E-N. Tyler Tavoran, T-E-R-T, excuse me, T-E-R-V-O-O-R-E-N. So make sure you check out grandbaldon.com slash Tyler Tavoran. Without further delay, here's my interview with Tyler. All right, today I'm hanging out with Tyler Tavoran. Tyler, how you doing, my friend? I'm very well, thank you, sir. Good, man. All right, so you run this website, riskology.co. Tell us a little bit about the site. Tell us about the blog and what you guys do there. Yeah, so riskology.co is a website dedicated to helping you live better through uncertainty. We focus on research and, and all that kind of stuff to help you 
basically learn how your brain ticks and how you can use that to take better risks and live more adventurously. Nice. So what do you mean like in terms of research? Are you just doing like studies or surveys or, or how does that all come into play? Uh, it's, so it's like a, it's a mix between uh, finding like basically neuroscience and social and, uh, and psychological research that uh, on kind of like the, the, big, the big parts of, of how your brain works and how it like interacts with risk. And then also uh, we do our own research kind of based on surveys and, and things like that. And so we, we weave all this together into a narrative that kind of helps you basically takes all the science that like your brain is doing and, and shows you how to harness it to, uh, to live more adventurously and take bigger risks. So if I check out the website, am I coming to a blog? Am I coming to videos? Yep. What, what does that look like? Yeah, it's primarily the primary uh, you know, information source we have on the site is, is a blog. And that's something that I write twice a week, every Monday and Thursday, with a new tip or trick for how to, uh, you know, how to harness the power of your brain. Is doing like the psychology of stuff and how the brain works and the writing and all that, is that something that has always been intriguing to you or is that something you kind of stumbled into? It's always something that's been latently intriguing, intriguing to me. It's until recently, you know, until I started doing this, you know, full time, it was never, you know, front and center. But, you know, learning and understanding what motivates people and how, you know, how we make decisions and, you know, why people do the things they do, that's always been super fascinating to me. And so when I had a chance to, to start doing this full time, it was just, uh, it's just kind of a dream come true a little bit. Yeah, because it seems like the idea of you know, teaching people about how their brain works and how they can best utilize that just, to, uh, just to, as it relates to life seems it might be appealing to someone. But I think a lot of people just assume, well, in that case, you're going to be a psychologist, you're going to be a counselor, you're going to teach this stuff, you're going to be in, in the medical profession, you're going to be doing a research. So, so what was it where you're like, no, no, I can take this on as kind of a one man band and do a blog to help individuals think about this stuff? Yeah, good question. Actually, what did get me to that point? You know, I've, I thought about all those different you know, career fields at one point or another in my life. But I got to the point where I realized that, you know, what I really wanted to do, like what I was most passionate about was, uh, was risk taking, right? And like understanding how people interact with risk, how they think about risk, and then how people take better risks and like learning more about how people who are incredibly good at taking smart risks, like, like well, what do they do? Like what tools do they use? Like how does their, how do their brains work differently than, you know, the average person's? And, and so I thought, well... You know, there's a million directions you could go. You could, you know, go become a doctor. You could follow all the, you know, psychologists, do all these other, these different career paths. But there's already just a world of research out there that is, you know, it's super interesting and super relevant to the average human being, but it's not being communicated very well. So, like, there's a lot of really incredibly smart people doing just groundbreaking research on the brain and, you know, human behavior and all this stuff. But it, it tends to it tends to stay in that in that circle of, of people, right? Like it doesn't always trickle down in a way that's useful right. to the average person. So I wanted to be that go between, that person that could, you know, go find all this fascinating research and put it into a format that, you know, the average everyday person can use to make their life better. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, because just the the idea of the data and the research and the brain and the psychology and uh, it just immediately probably turns people off and there's probably just the stigma associated with it where it's like, eh, 
It's not for me. I'm not going to be reading some medical field journal about how my brain works. So even just taking some of that existing information and just packaging it differently and putting it in a way that the average consumer or the average human is like, oh, I can connect with that. I, I can relate to that. It makes a little more sense to me. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Beautiful. Now, do you think like in terms of risk taking, is that something that can be taught or is that something that's just innate? Because, I mean, and you've got both ends of the spectrum on taking risk. I mean, you've got some people that are willing to bet the farm on something and other people that are like taking very, very small incremental steps on taking a risk. How does that come to be for someone? Yeah, well, so there's a, I, I think there's a couple questions in there and you can look at it in a few different ways. Like, first of all, risk taking is innate in everybody to which de- you know to what degree depends on who you are can it be taught absolutely yes your brain has everything it needs to take smart risks already whether or not you whether or not you do it and how you look at the you know the risks that you do take in life is more of a matter of building habits and learning how to like and yeah and just learning how people navigate risks successfully that can definitely be learned. Can you give, do you have an example that comes to mind of maybe like a way that someone can build a habit that can help increase their risk tolerance? Yeah, sure. Actually, specifically for building risk tolerance, it could be as simple as you know finding something uncomfortable to do that, that has n- basically no risk involved at all. So it could be like talking to a stranger at a grocery store, or like saying hi to someone at a at a bus stop, or like or you know some sort of social interaction, you know, that's very low risk, but doesn't necessarily feel comfortable. Building the habit of that actually can push your comfort zone, which in the comfort zone is actually something that's been pretty scientifically studied. And what we've learned is that, you know, things that were things that were once new and scary quickly become pretty old and routine. You know, most people can think of many times in their lives when they were going to do something that was like brand new, and they're very scared of it. But now that they've done it a few times, it's very, you know, it's old hat. Right, right. So yeah, risk taking can definitely be taught, but at the same time, it's also important to remember that risk is an innate part of just part of life, right? Like whether you're thinking consciously about it or not thinking about it at all, you're taking risks every single day based on every action that you take. So, you know, if you're going to be taking risks anyways, you know, whether you decide to pursue this career or not pursue this career or do this or don't do that, each decision you make every day comes with a specific consequence, right? So risk is in your life, whether you want it or not. Our position is that, you know, as long as that's the case, you might as well be doing it the best that you can. Sure. Good. All right. So, uh, is this something like even going back in time? So right now you live in Portland. Are you, were you born and raised there? Lived there your whole life? I wasn't born in Portland, but I am from Oregon. So I grew up in a small kind of basically a farming town a little bit about an hour outside of Portland. Were you always kind of intrigued, even growing up as a kid, you know, even in elementary, middle school, high school, were you intrigued by the brain, taking risk and all that? How did that kind of evolve? Well, it wasn't that direct. So growing up, I was always super interested in like what made people do the things they did. So for instance, you know, when I was in high school and watching some of my friends you know, do really stupid stuff, you know, on Saturday nights. I'd be like, why the hell would you do that? You know, racing their cars or like, you know, doing something stupid or doing things that an average student would do. Yeah, exactly. And and I did some of them too, of course. Right. And I was like, and then afterwards I would look back and like, why on earth did I do that? Right. And so getting better understanding where those motivations come from 
and you know why people act the way they did. That's been something that's been kind of fascinating, both puzzling and fascinating to me my entire life. I'd say it got probably around high school and just because, you know, like there's the research that's been done on on how teenagers make decisions, especially teenage boys, is fascinating and hilarious. Well, yeah, I was going to say, which is just a whole topic of conversation in itself, I'm sure. As, as someone who works with a lot of teenagers and who's heard a lot of their horror stories and uh, dumb decisions, yeah, you, you just want to smack them upside the head like, what, what is going on inside that dome of yours, if anything? Well, and just having been one, right, and just remembering back. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, you and I were both there, so we, uh, we understand the, uh, the mind of a teenage guy, and it's not necessarily a pretty thing. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. Whenever you ventured off from high school into college, what, what was it at that point? What was kind of the plan, the trajectory that you were on? So the trajectory that I was on at that time was completely, has really nothing to do with what I'm doing, with what I'm doing now. Which never happens. Right, yeah, of course. No, no one ever has that story. Exactly. I grew up believing that I was going to be an architect. Uh, All right. So I was always interested in, you know, in people and you know, psychology and sociology and all of that stuff. But I never saw it as something I was going to pursue as a career. And so I was going to be an architect. And so I went to college to become an architect. And when I decided I didn't want to do that anymore, I thought, well, how can I take all the experience and and plans I've made already and kind of maybe pivot them into something that looks like that but isn't that. And so I ended up working in construction management, right, of all things. Okay. And I did that for a few years. And it was fine, but I wasn't super happy with it. And I eventually, during the, uh, during the economic downturn in 2010, finally got laid off after kind of crossing my fingers and hoping I'd get laid off for a long time. You know, <laughs> it's one of those situations where, like, you don't really want to lose your job, but you're like, what could I do if I got fired? It wouldn't be the worst thing <laughs> if they let me go. Exactly. And that's what happened. It happened in early 2010, and I was like, all right, like, I'm ready to not do anything like this anymore. Let's get back to like, what's really fascinating to me. Let's backtrack a little bit there. So you're, you're, doing the, you're planning on doing the architecture stuff. You're wanting to do construction management. Is that what you studied in college? It is, yes. And so, yep. I mean, even all the way through college, you always just felt like, was there any like, thing along the lines where you're like, no, 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 this, I don't know if this is it, or maybe this isn't it, but you just kind of felt like, no, this is, this is it, I've got it, I've got it lined out, I'm one of the lucky ones that knows what I want to do? No, when you look back on it, like, I think at the time, I felt I was trying to force myself to feel that way, the way that you described second, like that I had it all figured out and everything was good, was golden. I was trying to make myself feel that way. But, you know, of course, when you look back on it after you've made the switch, you can see all of the different parts where you, know, you see all the different places where actually I was quite filled with doubt. And actually, you know, there, there was a number of things I could have done differently that would have led me to where I am sooner. Not to say that it would have, you know, that, that it's a bad thing that I took the path that I did. But no, looking back on it, I was, I was definitely like, I wanted to pr project to myself and to others that, you know, I had it all figured out and then I was on the right path and that I was, you know, I was, this is where I'm headed and this is how things work. But inside, no, I, th I was totally filled with doubt and uncertainty and I had no idea if what I was doing was going to make me happy over the long term or, or any of that. What did your parents do? My parents, both of my parents went to college but never graduated. My mother worked for a dental clinic worked in the, uh, in the front office for a dental clinic. And my, uh, my father worked as a, as a mechanic at a power plant, actually. So he worked on 
very large equipment at, uh, at power plants. So both kind of you know somewhat traditional jobs. Yeah, yeah, pretty traditional, I would say. So you finish college, you've got the degree, you've got the uh, just a construction management type degree. Yeah, I mean it's technically it's a it's a architecture degree with a concentration in project management. Beautiful. So you you start down that path, and you said you did that for about three years before you laid off. Yep. Yeah, okay. three, three to four years. Yep. So how? So on that three-year track there, how long was it before into it before you're like, oh, dude, I got to get out of this. This is not what I signed up for. This is not going the way that I hoped it would. How quickly were you looking for the escape plan? About a day. <laughs> Didn't take long at all. Like, what was it? Like, even within that first day then where you're like, oh, dude, I've, I've made a horrible decision. How do I get out of this? No, it was, I mean, I think, Honestly, I was I had deluded myself, you know, that I was making the right decision well ahead of time. So I had mentally prepared myself for something I didn't really want ahead of time. So I think even before I started, I was probably realizing that's not what I wanted. All right. So why because, like pausing there? So you knew going into it this wasn't what you wanted. What was it about it then that made you continue down that path? Was it yourself or was it just kind of this like parental pressure or just social pressure or just be like, well, I mean, this is what I went to college for. So I might as well, I might as well do it. It was mostly, you know, comfort and security. Or, I was, or I was perceived also, comfort and security. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like I could, there, it's a very well-defined career path. You, you sign, you know, you get in at the ground floor and you slowly work your way up and it's, you know, it's a comfortable salary and like, it's a demanding job, but it's a comfortable salary for, you know, and you, you can see exactly how it works and everyone around you is like, oh, you have a great job. And so like you'd feel really stupid, right? Like it's, it's, it is a bit of that societal pressure as well. Like from friends and family were like, I'm going to quit this great job that I have. <laughs> um, right. Well, everyone else is like complaining about their jobs and making far less money. Right. And like, You're going to do what? So you felt like I can tolerate it for a little while or I can, I can put up with it for a bit knowing that it feels good, I'm making a decent living, and it's just, it's just part of the, the gig, that most people aren't doing something that they enjoy. So if, if we're all going to have to do something we, we don't enjoy, at least I'm making more money. Yeah, basically. Basically. I mean, yeah, that's kind of it at the end of the day. Yeah. So you hate it from day one, but you ride that wave for three years. How do you stick it out for three years? Well, I didn't necessarily hate it. I mean, there's in, in any job. <laughs> it started going downhill. You can have you can have a job that's very unfulfilling, but still enjoy parts of it. You know, so sure, sure. there were things about that, like the the fact that I was working on you know really big projects, like putting really big buildings together, was kind of cool. Just the idea that I was you know a part of that was pretty cool. The people I worked with, I enjoyed my coworkers for the most part. Like I built really good relationships with them. Right. These are all things that made the you know the experience tolerable. And sometimes even enjoyable, but the work itself, just the work itself, and what I was what I was doing and spending my time in creating, wasn't. Uh, it just was not doing it for me. And so, you know, I was getting ready to. I was trying to prepare myself to basically just like hunker down and do this for thirty years and then retire. Right? I was. That's what I was trying to get myself to do, but I just could not. I just could not. And so. It wasn't that I ever hated the job, but I slowly just kind of re had this like realization over, you know, just kind of got a little bit stronger every day until about, and actually the best part of the story is, I think, is on January 1st, 2010, I made my, I made my very first New Year's resolution. I'd never really believed in New Year's resolutions. I thought they were stupid. <laughs> um, but I made my very first one 
that day to quit my job by June. And then I got laid off in February. <laughs> I was talking with our friend Sean Ogle about that same similar story, you know, where he was saying, hey, I had this plan where here's my exit date. And then they come to me ahead of time and say, ha, actually, your exit date's going to be a little sooner. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what happened to me. So whenever they come to you, I mean, so you, you make the New Year's resolution. I'm shooting for June. I'm giving myself a, uh, you know, five, six month cushion here. And then they arrive. Uh, what's that feeling? Are you, are you shocked? Are you disappointed? Are you angry? Are you elated? What's going through your head? Yeah, it's a mixed bag of emotions because on the one hand, it's like, thanks. You just made this way easier for me. On the other hand, it's like, you just stole my thunder. <laughs> I had this dramatic exit plan and you ruined it for me. Yeah, basically. But the actual moment that it happened, you know, when the hammer fell, it was it was about five seconds of sheer panic terror. Um, didn't know what I was going to do with myself, but just basically immediately dissolved when I, you know, when I realized the great opportunity that had just been handed to me. Yeah. So how are you up until that point? I mean, you, you set the New Year's resolution for June. That timeline got moved up to February. Are, are you already thinking about a blog? Are you thinking about other things that you would want to do if you could escape? Or where's kind of your head at in that time? Yeah, during that time, no, I didn't really know what I was going to do. In fact, I was, uh, I was kind of sending my uh, friends and family on, uh, you know, sending their heads spinning with new ideas of different things I could try every, about every different week. But at one point, I was going to try to be a professional musician. Everyone was like, yeah, okay, let us know when that works out. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> And so it wasn't, it took about mm, a month and a half for me to kind of just settle down and get back to like thinking about what I really wanted to do and what I thought I could actually make a career out of. And that's when I decided I wanted to, to pursue this. So what does that look like for you where you're trying to figure out what you want to do? Is that something where you're just like sitting down and just scribbling down some thoughts or is it just kind of it hits you one day in the shower of, hey, this is my next step? Or how does it come to the point where it's like, all right, the blog's the next logical step for me? It is. It was about a month of just writing. Like I just started, uh, I just started writing out you know, my thoughts every day and writing down. As I started writing, I started to realize, well, maybe there's something to this writing thing. Like, and I had a few friends at the time who were making a living writing. And so I thought, well, maybe I could do something similar to that. I don't know if I'm as good as them, but I can give it a shot. Had writing appealed to you at that point? Like you'd been dabbling with it already or you'd already been journaling or is it just kind of during that transitional window where it's like, let's just start getting some of this out of my head and onto paper. And then the more you did it, the more I was like, yeah, this is, you know, maybe this could be something more than just me thinking out loud. Yeah, well, I'd actually run a very unsuccessful blog for the year before I got laid off. And so I had been dabbling in it for sure. I hadn't made a single penny in terms of earning any money from it at the time, but it was, I realized, and it was the first time I'd realized that I could enjoy writing, actually. For most of my life, I thought that I hated writing, and that was because I spent most of my life writing book reports and school papers, and I did not enjoy those much at all. Uh, but when I, uh, when I discovered writing for myself, it, become, it became quite a different, uh, I, well, I just built a quite a different perspective for it, something I enjoyed quite a lot. So when did, when did the riskology piece come into it? Were you just kind of blogging, just kind of journaling your thoughts? Or when did you start to kind of like hone in and focus on this? I think I've got something here. Well, I started to, I shut down the, the unsuccessful blog before I even got laid off. So just before I got laid off, I shut it down. And then. So it's out there in the abyss somewhere. 
it's out there in the abyss somewhere, <laughs> and uh, you will not get a you will not get a. <laughs> it's it's buried. Google has a record of it, but the rest of us can't find that record. Yeah. yeah, you can go googling for it. You'll probably find it if you try hard enough. And then I got laid off, and then I really I so I I was kind of pursuing a number of different ideas at the same time. Blogging being one of them. A couple other things. Maybe I was going to try to do some like you know con you know like contracting myself since I had this background in construction management. I thought, well, maybe I can just run my own little like, you know, small time cons- uh, construction management company for smaller projects. Um, lots of different ideas were circling. And I just wanted something that would actually, that just felt really good to do all the time. And I knew that the construction thing was not going to be that. And the other, like the other projects were turning out to be just not really viable. And so I thought, well, we should give this blogging thing another shot because I've, you know, I've, learned, I've learned that I enjoy it and I've seen other people be successful at it. And I have friends that can help me figure out how to be more successful at it. So let's try that. And I just went back to um, and just started writing down every story I could think of from my life that I thought was interesting. When I got to the end of that process, I realized kind of the, the, the string that connected all the dots to that was, you know, the story of like risk taking and learning how to, you know, how, learning how to take smarter risks and getting out of, you know, dicey situations and things like that. Is that what kind of helped you to, to hone? It sounds like that's what helped you to hone in on the whole thing was spending, you know, weeks or months just kind of going back through and puking your life out on the paper and going, all right, what's the common thread? What's the common thing? Is that kind of what it looked like where you're just, yeah, you're yeah, writing really down looks, everything and then just reading looks. back through and see what sticks out? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's pretty much exactly what happened. How long does that take? Is that I mean, is that something you do over the course of a couple of weeks or months, or how does that play out? Uh, I did it over the course of about two months. Okay. And what are you doing in the meantime? Like you're you're laid off in February. You still got to eat and pay bills. So how is that playing out? What are you doing? At that point, I am mostly laying on the couch and or hanging out in the front yard and or <laughs> drinking beer in the backyard. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful, glamorous, unemployed life. It was it was a glamorous, unemployed life. I had the benefit of having made a healthy income for those few years out of college working uh, working for the construction company, and then also equally benefited from being just an absolute cheapskate and never spending any of it. I had basically runway money. I had money saved that I could fund myself with until I figured out how things were going to work. I mean, it wasn't going to last forever. But it was, uh, it was something that allowed me to kind of at least think about what to do next without panicking and going doing, doing something else I didn't like. Yeah, so it bought you time, if anything. It bought me time, exactly. So you're, you're buying time there, living on the couch and uh, li- living the dream there. You're doing the blogging and doing the writing stuff. At what point does the blog really start to take off where you're feeling like, hey, this is, this is, I'm throwing a bunch of things against the wall. This seems to be working. This seems to be gaining traction with other people and catching on. At what do you, point do you feel like this is this is my career? This is what I'm doing. Well, I just, uh, for my own sanity and confidence and ability to to perform, I told myself that from day one. This is how it's going to work. That's just kind of how I've always worked. Is to uh, assume this persona that like. This may be the craziest and stupidest thing ever, but I'm going to own it right now. <laughs> we'll fake, see, fake it till you make it, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens when it all, you know, when it all pans out. So I had made that decision from the moment I decided to launch the site that, like, I'm going to turn this into a, I'm going to turn this into a full time business, and it's going to support me. And like, I, I don't care what anybody else says. But it took a long time in terms of like building an audience. 
it took off rather, relatively quickly because I, I actively went after a lot of just every opportunity I could find to get in front of any new audience and get people to come check out my site. Uh, I spent just, I was working probably 14, 16 hours a day for the first year to make that happen and that, that it paid off. What, what type of opportunities were you chasing that were out there that, that helped speed just, that up for you? Just every single one. I was networking with everyone I could find on, and everyone I admired on Twitter and building relationships on Facebook. And I was, you know, pitching guest posts to anyone who would take one. You know, I was writing to editors at, at, um, at newspapers and, uh, and writers at newspapers and asking them to, you know, to feature my story. And, you know, I probably wrote a 500 of those and which wasn't I mean took a ton of time and I don't know looking back on it I can't say for sure whether it was worth it or not but like a few of them ended up ended up doing quite well for me so like it was a lot of work that produced very little results from most of the people who responded but a few of them just happened to go really well and that's kind of actually a good point to make you know in, in terms of you know being successful I'm hardly the I'm hardly the go-to person on like what is how do you become successful but for me, like I've always tried to look at opportunities and situations like this as you can strike out a million times and none of that matters if you hit it out of the park once. So true. So like, you can throw a dart, you can throw a million darts against the wall, and only, you know you only, only one of them has to hit the center. Yeah, and you just you just keep swinging, just keep swinging, just keep swinging, just keep. And one of these times, if you make contact, that could that one contact could be could be huge, but you don't know unless you take that at bat. Exactly. Got it. Very nice. Very nice. So uh, you're doing the blog for a little bit. It's starting to build up. It sounds like, I mean, you're, you're potentially working more than you were doing in the construction job. You're doing 14, 16 hour days, probably making a fraction of what you were making before. Yeah. Uh, but the trade-off just feels worth it then, right? Never been happier. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, and where it's just like, man, I'm busting my butt. I'm working way more than I was before, but I just, I feel in control. I feel like I'm the one in charge of my destiny. And so if I want to work 14 or 16 hours a day, I'm good with that. But I don't feel like someone's breathing down my neck telling me I have to do that. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's amazing. Like, um, you know, if you're doing something that's just really not very fun and not, um, you know, actually, that's not the best way to put it. In fact, there's lots of things I do all the time, even in the job, even in you know, the work that I do now that's not necessarily fun but when you can see it the work that you're doing even when it's not fun you know building into something meaningful it makes it that much easier to do yeah when you know what the alternative is like if if i'm not doing this then i'm gonna have to go find a a nine to five that i hate uh that's just gonna suck the life out of me then yeah i'm willing to put in you know 14 or 16 hours making a fraction of the money knowing that the alternative would suck yeah, there's a great uh, quote, and I wish I could remember where it came from. I've heard it from you know a million different people at this point, but it's so true that you know an, an entrepreneur is someone who will work 24 hours a day uh, for themselves so that they don't have to work one hour for anyone else. <laughs> exactly, that's so true. I was talking with a buddy about that the other day. That yeah, w- at least when you're working for yourself, you again, even if you're making a fraction, you at least feel like you're in control that you. You're doing something that you love. You're doing something you feel like you're put on the planet to do. It just aligns with who you are and where you want your life to go versus you're just uh, you're almost a, a victim to your circumstances and you're just trapped in a job. Yeah, exactly. 
Got it. So for someone who's who maybe listening to this and just going, dude, I, I hate my job. I want to leave, but that is a massive risk. I mean, you are the risk expert. So how does someone mitigate that risk to make that leap from the, the known to the unknown? Well, for me, you have to, you have to learn what motivates you, right? So like at first, like I'd say the first step is just, you know, giving yourself the opportunity to figure out what else it could be, right? Like it's not, it's not super useful to hate your job and leave it at that. So like you need like the other half of the equation is figuring out what seems interesting to you. You know, what's something you could, what's something else you could pursue. And people struggle a lot with that question. And what I, you know, like, I don't know, like I don't have anything I'm super passionate about or like what I am passionate about is I don't know if I could ever make a living from it. My answer to that is you don't need to like, you don't need to have like, you know, you don't need to go to India and meditate for like six months nonstop to, to figure out what you're, what you should be doing with your life. Just, you know, take something that seems interesting and that you've seen other people make money doing and, and give yourself a, you know, just that's good enough. That's enough to, to start with, right? You don't have to have it all figured out from the very, from the get go. Yeah. I think there's so many people I've, I've talked to and, and interviewed who, who've said, you know, similar things along those lines of, of going, I, I saw someone who was doing it and that kind of validated it in my own mind that, okay, if they can make a living at it, surely I can, I can figure it out for myself. Yeah. And you know, every day has 24 hours in it and we are very good at filling them up with a number of things, often many that we don't remember we did once the, once the time has passed. So for me, what's really helpful is when I say I want to do something, I, you know, I run my life in, out of a Google calendar, right? Yep. And if I want to start a new project, like there has to be a block of time on that calendar that says like, Tyler, stop working and doing it, you know, right? Like stop watching Hulu or stop like petting the cat and like work, start working on this thing. How much time do you spend petting the cat? <laughs> more than you would, more than you would imagine. More than, than, more than uh, is normal very or allowed. Demanding. They're very demanding pets. When this is happen. true. This is why I'm going to stick to a dog. Hey, one other question here. Let's kind of wrap up with this. What advice, uh, looking back, what advice would you give to someone who was in your shoes a few years ago where uh, you're doing a job you hate, you want out, not really sure what to do next? What would you do differently or what advice would you give to your your past 25-year-old self on that? Yeah, so I mean I was in that position where I was just kind of handed this kind of life-changing event, right, getting laid off. Right. Those are really good moments to like grasp onto. Those are kind of those times where they force you to think about your life differently. I would, honestly, I would, if I was doing it again and I wasn't handed that opportunity, I can't say for sure now that I would have ever gone through with it, right? Because it was kind of handed into my lap. So it's important to understand that, right? To understand that if you're, if you're dissatisfied with something but you want it to change, a life-changing event like getting laid off or fired or, you know, a, a close a family member dying or something, right? Mm-hmm. Th- those things aren't necessarily going to always just come around and, and drop these opportunities in your lap. So you have to find something else that motivates you, right? Like you have to find something, something inside of you that gets you fired up. You got to have a pretty mm-hmm. decent idea of, of not only what you're leaving from, but what you're going to. Because if you're just leaving from and you're just staring at a blank slate then of what you're going to, it's, it's going to be tough to make any traction. Yeah, make a statement, right? Like, you don't have to have everything figured out, but make a statement of like, this is the direction I'm going to head for now, and I'm going to give myself six months to try it out. And you don't have to quit your job to do that, right? This is pretty much any any business or any or any different career choice you want to pursue. You can start to learn about it and start to dip your feet in without you know giving up 
you know, without giving up everything. That's like, it would not be a smart risk to just, you know, to just quit and be like, okay, now what? Uh, some people do it and do it successfully and it works, but it's not necessarily the most advisable, <laughs> advisable way to go. Sure, sure. Nice. Well, dude, you've given us a ton of good information and a good, uh, appreciate you sharing your, your story and your journey and kind of how you got to this point where you're at. So if we want to find out more about you, Riskology, where do we need to go? Go to riskology.co. That's all you need to know. Beautiful. Twitter, email, any of that other stuff? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler, at Tyler Trevorin. And then... You're going to spell uh, that. Is, yeah. Just go to riskology.co and it's right there. <laughs> find the links there. <laughs> we'll have all the links in the show notes as well, so you can, uh, you can check it out there. So, Tyler, thanks so much for the time, man. Enjoy catching up with you. We'll talk soon. Uh, pleasure is all mine, sir. Thanks, buddy. All right, boom. There you go. There you have it. That was a little chat chat with Tyler Tavorin of riskology.co. And I hope you enjoyed that. Hopefully you were able to see how he's been able to take some huge risks, how he's been able to create a life of adventure for himself and how you can do the same. So uh, as always, you can check out all the links, summary of the show, uh, show notes, and all of that we discussed today. You can find it at grantbaldwin.com slash Tyler Tavorin, T-E-R-V-O-O-R-E-N. So make sure you stop by, check that out. Also, as I've mentioned to you before, we are running a contest that you got a little uh, about a week left all right uh, June 13th 2014 is when this contest runs dry but we are giving away a free iPad we're giving away a coaching session with me we're giving away a hundred dollars gift card to Amazon just giving away some cool prizes there and you got to do a couple simple very very simple little things in order to uh, register and qualify for the contest you can find all the details at grantbaldon.com slash contests. So make sure you check that out. GrantBaldwin.com slash contest. Basically, we're asking you to subscribe to the show, go into iTunes, leave a rating and review. You can go to GrantBaldwin.com slash iTunes and find, uh, it takes you right to the iTunes page for it. And then we're also asking you um, to uh, to put in your email and, and name into a box on the contest page. And uh, that way, if you do win a prize, we can follow up with you. We can contact you. We got to know where we're sending your iPad. Yeah, I mean, if, if you win... You want it, right? I, like, I'm happy to keep it for you, and you can swing by my place and pick it up, but it's probably simpler if I just ship it to you. So let us know that uh, where we can send your, your free prize there. All right? Hey, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being a part of this journey with us. Uh, I hope wherever you're at, whatever it is that you're chewing on in life, I hope that these stories, these journeys have been helpful and beneficial to you, and uh, we look forward to sharing some more stories with you real soon right here on the How Did You Get Into That podcast. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.